Yes, indeed, Rusty's away. And you know the, sta the statement, when the cat's away, the mice will play. So uh, be prepared over the next three weeks. There may be some surprises. Daniel's preaching for the next two weeks, and so he might have some real surprises. Uh, today, we uh, continue in the summer series that Rusty actually introduced last week. And if you didn't have a chance to listen to that and hear his introduction, plus all the testimonies for the baptism, you can go online and listen to it. I wasn't here personally myself. I was back in my childhood church and shared in Saskatchewan. Had a great time there, but I did listen to, uh, I listened to the message online after and... Uh, a great introduction to this whole thing that we're going to be devoted to this summer. We're going to be reviewing what the Bible says about our God by looking at the names that are attributed to God throughout all of the scriptures. And uh, some of them are actually not so much names as titles, but they are just as important. Today, we're going to look at a name that is rather obscure. And it's rather obscure because it's even difficult to know how uh, to uh, find out what that name is and what it means in English. Just even how to translate it into English, let alone to understand what the meaning is. And you'll find out what I mean as we uh, move along. Last week, Rusty mentioned that there is a general name for God in both the Old Testament, which of course was written in Hebrew, and in the New Testament, which was written in Greek. There's a general name, and that general name in Hebrew and Greek is actually a name that's used by, other, by peoples who worship so-called other gods. Now, we actually believe there is only one God, but as you know, there were a number of people who actually believed in a variety of gods in the Old Testament as well as the New Testament. And when the word God is used in the Bible, it's El or Elohim in French, in French, in Hebrew, sorry, <laughs> And uh, when it's used, it's a general word, okay? It's a word that can be used for other so-called gods as well. But at one moment in history, God decided to give to one of his servants, for the benefit of all of us, his very special, unique name. And that name is actually, in Hebrew, it's written this way. It's actually not written this way in actual Hebrew, but when we put it into English, we use actually just four consonants. Y-H-W-H. -H. And most of all, it's mostly pronounced as Yahweh. There would be some who would say Yahweh. Yahweh is often how we say it because we're so used to that W being pronounced Hwa. 
Yahweh. Now, the interesting thing about this word is that it's hard to put it in a name in English. So, over history, scholars have struggled over how to actually choose a name that would be most appropriate for this. So here are two important terms, and before we get to it, I'd just like to give you this because I think it's important as you look at the Word of God, your copy of the Word of God, we use the New International Version here a lot, but there are others, there's the New King James, I know there's the uh, English Standard Version, there's uh, people use different translations, English translations of the Bible. There are terms that we within the English language, uh, or the scholars have decided they're going to use this phrase, or this word. The one on the left is the one that's being used almost all the, the contemporary translations of the Bible in English. It's the word Lord. But you notice it's a little different up there. As a matter of fact, my PowerPoint refused to let me capitalize all four of them. Every time I put it up on PowerPoint, it would go Lord, capital, and then O-R-D. But actually, if you look in your Bible, and we're going to look at a passage in a minute, you will see that this word, Yahweh, when it's put in English, they use the word Lord. But it's not capital L and then small O-R-D. That's actually a different Hebrew word. You'll find that in the Old Testament as well. And it means master, Adonai, master or Lord. But this one, when it's all capitalized, actually is the English translation of a Hebrew word called Yahweh. Now that's interesting. Way back during the time of the Jews, when the Jews were passing on and dealing with this very special God, they decided that, that this word Yahweh was so precious, so unique, so sacred, that they wouldn't actually pronounce it as it was. So what they did was, they took the consonants that I mentioned before, Y-H-W-H. Of course, in Hebrew, it doesn't look like that, but I'm not going to show you the Hebrew on it. And what they did was, Instead of pronouncing it like that, they actually took the vowels for Adonai, which is another word for Lord, and they put the vowels over the consonants and came up with Jehovah. And in English, we have a hard time with Jehovah, so we call it Jehovah. So if you see that word Jehovah, now, there's not very many translations, modern translations, that actually have that word Jehovah in it anymore. But that's where that word Jehovah comes from. And originally, during the time of the Jews, over the history, when they were taking uh, the Scriptures, and especially when they took the Old Testament Scriptures and started putting it into writing, when they would pronounce it, they actually called it Jehovah. Jehovah. Now, we don't use that a lot today, but you've heard of it, okay? Sometimes we sing songs, and we have Jehovah in there. It actually refers back 
to this particular name that we're going to deal with in just a minute. You've also heard of Jehovah's Witnesses. That word Jehovah comes from this particular situation. All right, so already we know that there's something tricky about this name. What's so peculiar about this name? Well, in order to find out, we are going to look at some scriptures. We're going to start off by the first place where there is not where this word has been used, because this word actually is used right from the book of Genesis, this name. But where there is a place that explains what this name is all about. And it's a very interesting story. It's found in Exodus chapter 3, and if you like to follow along in the Bible, you can look it up, of Exodus chapter 3. I have it here uh, to read as well. We're going to read Exodus 3, 4 all the way down to verse 15. 4 to 15. Here we go. Now, here's the setting. This is Moses. The people are in in Egypt. They're in slavery in Egypt. The children of Israel are suffering under slavery in Egypt. Moses got so angry, even though he was raised in the palace, the Egyptian palace with the Pharaoh and his family, he got so angry one day by the way his people, the children of Israel, the Hebrews, were being treated that he got angry and he actually killed an Egyptian. And then he ran for his life. And he ran out into the desert. So he was out there in the desert actually with his father-in-law Jethro and he was looking after sheep. One day something very peculiar happened. All of a sudden one of the bushes that he was walking by lit on fire. He stopped to look at it. Now, what was peculiar about it is that fire was burning in that bush, but the bush was not being consumed. It still stayed just like it looked at the beginning, but there was fire all around it. It, was, it wasn't actually being consumed, but it was still burning. So he came over to it to look at more closely, and it's there that God spoke to him. So we're going to read what God says to him. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. Can you imagine? Spooky. Wow. And Moses said, here I am. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Then he said, I am the God, that's that word that Rusty referred to last week, which is a general word for God, but notice, he's making it very specific. I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. So this is not just any God, this is the God of the patriarchs. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. God's saying, 
I saw, I see what's going on with my people. I've heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I'm concerned about their suffering. So I've come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them out of that land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me. I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now, go. I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, uh, the Israelites, out of Egypt. So now, oh, I'm sorry, I'm repeating that verse 10. But Moses said to God, notice what Moses says in response. Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? That's the first question that Moses asked. Who am I? <laughs> I'm not qualified. Notice how God responds. He doesn't say, oh, Moses, don't be so humble. You are qualified. No, he doesn't say that at all. What's he say? And God said, I will be with you. And this will be a sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. They were looking at Mount Sinai when, they said that, when he said that. You will come back. And indeed, God actually did that. So then Moses says to God, now this is another important question. Well, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, you know, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask, what is his name? Then what shall I tell them? So it seems like he asked for his specific name. But most scholars feel just because of the way that that is worded, that question, he's not just asking for a name. He's asking for the significance behind that name. So that as he shares what that name is, he can explain why this name is so important. And God said to Moses, and notice what he says here. Strange. I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am sent me to you. Whoa. That seems to be weird. I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, Say to the Israelites, The Lord, all capitalized, Yahweh, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, has sent me to you. That's Moses speaking. And then there's this quote, this is my name, this is God saying, this is my name forever. The name you call me, you shall call me from generation to generation to generation to 2022. This is God's name. What is he telling Moses. Well, 
It's very difficult to try to figure out what this Yahweh means, but most scholars feel there's a little hint in the Hebrew that would give us an indication. The word Yahweh sounds similar to the very simple way of saying to be. I am. I am. So much so that uh, actually a professor that I studied with when I studied Old Testament, who has become quite a well-known uh, Old Testament scholar, he actually says, if we could get away with it, the best way to actually translate this word Yahweh would be always to say, I am. I am. That's what the word, the name really is. I am. Now, that's kind of a strange word. Why our strange name? Why would God say that? Let's go on to Exodus chapter 6. Because there, we have an encounter with God and Abraham one more time. And I think we'll understand a bit more. And here, just this is still not... Um, I should say, this is still before Moses actually goes to Pharaoh, because that's to be his big task, to go to Pharaoh. And this is what the Lord said to Moses. Now you will see what I will do to Pharaoh. In other words, I'm, I'm going to let you know ahead of time what I'm going to do to Pharaoh. Because of my mighty hand, he's going to let the people go. Because of my mighty hand, he will actually drive the people out of the country. And then he goes on to say, God also said to Moses, I am, what? The Lord. I am, I am. I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob as God Almighty, but by my name, the I am, I did not make myself fully to them. I also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan where they, need, where they resided as foreigners. Moreover, I have heard the groaning of the Israelites when the Egyptians are, which the Egyptians are enslaving and I have remembered my covenant. Therefore, say to the Israelites, I am the Lord. I am, I am. And I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. I will free you from being slaves to them. I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with mighty acts of judgment. I will take you as my own people and I will be your God. Then you will know that I am the Lord. I am, I am your God who brought you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians, and I will bring you to the land I swore with uphand, up, uplifted hand to give to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob. I will give it to you as a, position, as a possession. I am Yahweh. I am, I am. What is he dealing with here? So, in many ways, we could summarize by saying this word called LORD, all capitalized, that you find in your text, is actually this word Yahweh, which means simply, I am. 
Now, what would God be saying to us with a strange name like I am? I'd like to suggest three different things that I think affect us because this God, the Lord, Yahweh, is our God as well. First of all, Yahweh signifies his self-existence. Now, let's not get into a philosophy course here. What does it mean, self-existence? I think what he's emphasizing here is he is self-sufficient. He is not dependent on anyone else. And in that way, our God is unique. You see, back in those days, as Israel was preparing to leave Egypt, and then when they went to the promised land, and all of the things that we read in the history about them being in the promised land, they always had people around them. The Egyptians, of course, were very close to them because they were enslaved to the Egyptians. And then when they went to the promised land, there were the Philistines, the Ammonites, and the, the uh, all the different ones, the uh, Amorites and... Uh, Moabites and all of them, they all had their own gods. But those gods were gods who really weren't all that powerful. They were dependent either on each other or they were dependent on people performing certain kinds of sacrifices to them. And in the midst of it all, God says, I am self-sufficient. I am the basis. I am the, the foundation on which life is based. As we look at it today, we may not be in the same kind of situation where we're in all these different gods around us. As a matter of fact, we live in a culture that basically has denied things that are supernatural for the most part. Now, there's Lots of other people that are now accepting that certainly here in Canada, they're accepting the fact that there is something beyond the natural. But we live in a culture where we have to arrive. A lot of people have actually come to arrive to where they say, well, nature must be eternal because something has to carry on. So, a lot of stuff has been created. We've been created and we die and so forth. But there's something that has to be the foundation that really started everything that doesn't last. And there are some who say, well, it must be the universe because God doesn't exist. God says, I am. I'm, I am the foundation and everything else flows out from me. I am not dependent on anything else. I am sufficient. That's the first declaration I think we can say about God when he says, I am. I am the foundation of life. The second thing I think it shows us is Yahweh signifies his eternal presence with his people. 
As a matter of fact, many Jewish scholars, these are Jewish scholars, they've struggled with how to translate this word Yahweh. Yeah, we can give it the name Jehovah, but it still doesn't define what it really is. And a number of them feel that this whole concept of He is or I am indicates that He is eternally present. And so they would call Him, instead of calling it Yahweh, they would say Everlasting One or the Eternal. That was the phrase that they would use. And this is demonstrated very clearly in the passages that we read. What did God emphasize to, uh, to Moses when he was talking to him? You'll notice he says, I was there. I was there. I was the God of Abraham. I was the God of Jacob. I was the God of Isaac. And I made a covenant with them. And I was working out that covenant. I developed the, the, the family of Abraham into a nation. And now I am prepared to take them out of Egypt and bring them to a promised land. And of course, we know from Scripture that's exactly what God did according to His promise. And He kept it really going because he didn't just want to stop there. He was raising up a people to reflect him. But his plan was down the road. His son, Jesus Christ, would come to earth. And on his death and resurrection, he opened the doors for people to become children of God. The people of God. And we are part of that plan. And God promises to us through this name, I am, that He's present. He's present in your life. So today, if you're feeling that you're all alone, you're going through maybe some very difficult situations today, I don't know. That may be the case. I am says, I'm present with you. I am there. I've been there since Abraham. And you are children of Abraham. I am present with you. Continually. The third thing I think this, this, this uh, name implies. Yahweh signifies his constant involvement with people. God is not only present... He not only knows what you're going through, just like he knew what the children of Israel were going through in, in, in Egypt, but he's present and he has made a commitment to you to be your God, to be your personal God. That's the commitment that he has made, which is signified through his name, I am. I am. Interestingly, this moves us immediately to the life of Jesus. Because Jesus is the great I am. 
going to look up at a passage here, and I'm just going to read a passage of Jesus responding. Because Jesus, he was very aware of this word Yahweh. And he was very aware of what it signifies. I am. I want to read to you a passage. It's in John chapter 9. Uh, John chapter 8, I'm sorry. The Gospel of John chapter 8. And he's in this dialogue with, uh, with the Jews. And these were the Jews that were opposed to him. So they were contradicting him. They were basically starting to accuse him of wrong. And this is what they say. I'd like to read starting at verse 48. The Jews answered him, Aren't we right in saying that you are a Samaritan, which by the way is a put down, and you are demon possessed? Whoa. Jesus said, I am not possessed by a demon, but I honor my father and you dishonor me. I'm not seeking glory for myself, but there is one who seeks it and he is the judge. Very truly, I tell you, whoever obeys my voice will never see death. Never see death. Wow, they picked up on that. At this they exclaimed, huh, now, you know, now we know for sure you are demon-possessed. Because Abraham died, and so did all the prophets, and yet you say that whoever obeys your word will never taste death? Are you greater than our father Abraham? And of course, Father Abraham was regarded as one of the greatest in the Old Testament. He died, and so did all the prophets. Who do you think you are? And notice Jesus' response. If I glorify myself, my glory means nothing. My Father, whom you claim as your God, is the one who glorifies me. Though you do not know him, I know him. If I said I did not, I would be a liar like you. But I do know him, and I obey his word. Your father Abraham, now he makes another reference to Abraham. Your father Abraham rejoiced at the thought of seeing my day. He saw it and was glad. Woo! Not only is he claiming that people will never die, He's now saying, you know what? Abraham, he was looking forward to my day. And when he saw it, he was glad. Whoa, that gets these guys upset. They said, you're not yet 50 years old, uh, they said to him. And you've seen Abraham? Jesus answers, very truly I tell you, Jesus, uh, before Abraham was born, I am. Before Abraham was born, I am. Not before Abraham was born, I was. Which would again, uh, it would show that he was actually living before Abraham. So that would have shown that he's got to be eternal or else he lives for a very long time because that was actually 2,000 years before. But he doesn't even say that. He says, before Abraham was born, I am. What was he saying? 
Yahweh is right there. It's me. He was actually claiming to be our God. And he was using this precious name of God. Yahweh, I am. How do we know that? Well, that's certainly how the people thought, because that it says at this, they picked up stones to stone him. And in the Hebrew thinking, the Jewish thinking, if you were going to stone somebody like that in this particular situation, it's because he claimed to be God. Or he claimed to do things that only God can do. So it says at this, they picked up stones to stone him. So this great God, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, the I am, the great I am, is Jesus himself. And he is our Lord. He is our master. Jesus actually goes on to use that phrase, I am, Seven other times, and you've likely heard of these. We're not going to go through them all. I just want to tell you, at one point, Jesus said, I am the bread of life. And he says, if you're hungry, come and eat of me. I am the light of the world. So in this darkness around us and in confusion and so forth, God, Jesus is the light of the world. I am the door, he says, you want to come in and find refreshing life? I am the door. I am the good shepherd. I'm the one who will come and lead you to pastures and still waters, and I will give you rest. I am the resurrection and the life. Because of my death and resurrection, you will live eternally with new life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And he goes on to say, no one can come to the Father but through me. And then he says, I am the vine, and you are the branches. Apart from me, you can do nothing. But with me, you can do all that God has created you to do. So the significance of this name, even though it is really obscure, is actually very powerful. So what I want to leave with you today is that this very special name of God, although it's difficult for us to translate into English, it really is signifying that our God is a solid, stable, self-sustaining God. And he's present with us, his people. And he's involved. He sees the future. He knows the past. And he's your God involved in your life on a daily basis. That's our God. That's our Jesus.
So the question I just want to leave you with, how are you responding to Yahweh? I'm going to call it Yahweh. I, I, I actually like that word. As a matter of fact, when I do Bible studies right now, and I have a few Bible studies that I've been involved in, and, and uh, we're doing the Old Testament, whenever it comes to that word, L-O-R-D, all capitalized, I actually just automatically put the word Yahweh in there. So much so that a couple of weeks ago, when I was doing my, the one online, a lady stops me and said, what kind of translation have you got? Uh, because mine doesn't have Yahweh in there at all. I don't even know how to spell that. And, uh, but that's just something I do. And the reason I do that is because it's not just the word L-O-R-D. This is a very special name of our God. And he went out of his way to choose this name because it is so important for us in our daily walk. I am that God is with you every step of the day. He can handle any issue that you're dealing with. You might not be able to. I am not able to. I've got some issues that I'm dealing with. I cannot handle them. But my God is with me. He's able, he's present, and he's working, and he's the God I can count on. Yahweh is your God. How are you responding to him? Some of you may be here this morning, and you just really don't have any kind of relationship with this God whatsoever. My invitation to you is, this is a God who is opening his, his heart to you. And he invites you to enter into a relationship with him. This is the commitment that he's making to you. He is the creator. And although we have rebelled against him, he has offered us the way to be reconciled to him through Jesus, his son. And he says, I want to be your Yahweh. I want to be your God. Will you respond and accept and respond to this God? The Bible, Jesus said, come to him, repent, which means to acknowledge where you are and that you're going your own way and it's not working, and come to him and believe in him, trust him, and he will enter into your life and he will become your God. That's the invitation he gives to you. Now, if there are some of you and you know the Lord, but you're dealing with some issue in your life and you would even just like prayer just over some issues, after every service, we have uh, an opportunity for you to go back. You can go back into a room back there we call it the fireside room because you'll see there's a fireplace as you look down the hallway. And we invite you to go in there and there'll be somebody there this morning that we've been meeting to pray with you if you would like to receive prayer as well. With that in mind, let's pray. Father, I want to thank you so much that uh, even though you, you had a word, uh, a name that 
we actually find a little strange because it's, uh, it's a little different. It's not one that's uh, got some exciting action to it, but rather it is a very important name. Thank you that you are. You exist. You exist um, alone in the sense that you are you are self-sufficient. God, how we thank you for that because you are our rock. And we thank you also that you are committed to your people. Praise be to Yahweh. Amen.